That sound that you just heard was literally me sweat stretching and taking my second sip of coffee of the morning. Because it is 8.21 here in Dallas, Texas, but we are recording another emergency episode of The Assembly Call because there's been another commitment. The news just doesn't stop. The good news keeps rolling in for the Indiana University men's basketball program as this morning, if you didn't see, Miller Kopp, from, formerly from Northwestern, announced that he is going to be transferring to the Indiana University Hoosiers, to play uh, for Mike Woodson next season. So, of course, we're going to be here to break it down. Uh, less than 24 hours after Indiana got a huge commitment from Tamar Bates. And so, you know, theoretically, the roster is now set as all 13 scholarships are accounted for. This, of course, doesn't preclude someone who's on the current roster from leaving, which could happen, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen now. Um, but exciting news with Miller Cop coming, and we're, we should have a, a nice, uh, nice panel of guests here today to discuss what this commitment means, what Miller Cop is like as a player, uh, to give you some insight on that. So, hello, I'm Jared Morris. Jay Horry is here uh, with me to be our first guest today. Uh, so, Jay, let's just talk real quick about what kind of player Miller Cop is, because I think as you know, as you kind of looked at this roster after Tamar Bates commits, you're thinking, okay, what's kind of the one hole that's left? And it's a bigger guy who can guard some fours and knock down some three-pointers. And Miller Cop seems to be a guy who fits that bill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it was only about a week ago or so when he said he was transferring from Northwestern. And I immediately, you know, retweeted him. and was like, hey, this is a guy that would seem to fit um, everything that Mike Woods is looking for in kind of that stretch four position. Uh, somebody who can... Um, you know, he can, he's strong. He's a bigger kid, even though he's, you know, I think he's about six, seven. Um, he's probably about 215, 220. So he can guard some guys that are bigger. Um, he can, I think, switch out in the perimeter um, and, and guard some smaller guys too and keep guys in front of him. And he's that kind of perfect guy that can, uh, that can on offense guard out in the, go out on the perimeter and hit shots. I mean, he's a, he's a shot maker. He's got a, he's got a little bit of shot creation too. Um, I've seen him. Um, catch the ball, take a couple dribbles, get into the lane, um, and make shots around the basket. But I mean, he's that guy that if you can, the defenses cannot help off of. If he's standing out on the side, you got to be there. It's going to open up driving lanes. It's going to open up room for Trace to operate. Um, he just is a, just really seems to be a perfect fit for what Mike Woodson's looking to do. Ladies and gentlemen, we have breaking news. A new guest has jumped in here on the assembly call who we haven't had the chance to talk to in a long time. It is Michael Dugan, one of our first interns, the man who, back during the 2015-2016 season, when we got in a pinch during the Maui Invitational and didn't have anybody to host a show, hosted a post-game show by himself. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. I, uh, my, my first big, we'll call it an assignment, even though that's not the perfect word, but I do remember it. I remember it vividly. That was awesome. So we wanted to have you on here. You're obviously working down in Mississippi now and doing great work. Um, but we wanted to have you on here because you are a native of Chicago, grew up a Northwestern fan, as we talked about a lot when you were uh, working for the show. And so I figured you would have a lot of good insight on what Miller Cop can bring to this Indiana team. So give me your impressions of Miller Cop as a player from the Northwestern fan perspective. Well, well I think the last couple of minutes I, I just heard were were pretty much spot on. He's, he allows some spacing on the offensive side he's a very he's a plus defender um on the other side of the ball he's a good off ball defender he's it, when my first reaction when I saw this was okay he's going to come in he's going to be assigned a role that requires 
a little less of him quantity-wise in Bloomington than than what it was in Evanston. And he's, I don't want to use the word perfect, but he's a really solid guy. He's he's going to be very reliable um, at whatever specific role Mike Woodson and his staff assign him. Because like I said, he's a reliable defender. He's a good off-ball defender. Um, he doesn't get to the free throw line as much. He's not a, a terribly aggressive offensive player. Um, I, I wouldn't quite call him efficient either, but from the three-point line, two seasons ago was his best year pretty much at, at everything. He was an outstanding defender. I think he averaged over 16 points a game, almost a 40% three-point shooter, uh, almost a 90% free-throw shooter, which I think is is the number that's really going to pop out to Indiana fans. Um, but I, I think this is a guy that's going to come in and and fill his role that's going to be a little less than what it was in Evanston but I think he's going to fill it extremely well. Yeah. You know, and this is a guy who had a really solid recruiting pedigree. You know, this isn't some like kind of two-star guy off the radar that Northwestern got. This was, if I recall correctly, Michael, this was one of the first big recruiting gets for Chris Collins because Miller Cop out of Houston, uh, I think 24-7, he was a four-star with 24-7, 115th nationally. The RSCI, which, you know, is kind of a composite of all of them, uh, had him 90th. So, I mean, you know, this is a guy who came in uh, with a little bit of hype, especially for a school like Northwestern. You know, and I think the point that you made right there, Michael, is a really good one, which is that, you know, you look at what he was asked to do at Northwestern. You know, as a freshman in playing about 40% of the minutes, his usage rate was 20.6. As a sophomore, when he was terrific, he played 80% of the minutes, his usage rate was 20.7. Last year, he played 78% of minutes, his usage rate was 19.2. There is no world at Indiana where he's using that many possessions. You know, not with Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, you're probably looking more at a 12, 13% usage rate where you can, you know, and if you think about some past IU guys who succeeded in roles like that, Colin Hartman was a guy who succeeded in a role like that. Nick Zeisloft was a guy who succeeded in a role like that where he's not having to do a ton of creation. And because he's a you know a solid shooter and other guys are going to draw the attention, he has guys to get him the ball, I think you'll see his efficiency rise. Because I think he's got that in him, and I think his free throw shooting shows that he can be that type of shooter. What he did from three-point range as a sophomore, that was 39.6% across 164 attempts. You know, so that was... You know, and, you know, fit is so important in basketball. And so I think, you know, maybe he was a little bit overexposed at Northwestern, asked to do a little bit more than he's capable. I think you can really see a world, especially if he's as good a defender as you say. That part about him, I don't, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to. But from an offensive perspective, I really see him fitting in pretty well with what this Indiana roster is going to have next year. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I don't want to make the impression that he's going to come out and be, you know, First team all defense, but he is he is a plus defender. You look at his defensive rating over the last two years, especially last year. I had his his basketball reference page up in front of me, but my power went out for no reason about 15, 20 minutes ago. So I had to hop on on my phone here so I can't find it. But um, no, his defensive rating has been up over the last couple of years and um, he's he's active. He's got active feet. He, he moves well off the ball offensively. So. I think he's going to add a lot to both sides of the ball. And like you said, Jared, we're not going to see him as much on the court as we saw him at Northwestern. He's not going to start and play all of those minutes. Um, but I, I, like I said, I think whatever specific role he comes in, more or less, not quite a 3 and D guy, but situation, he can come in, very smart basketball player. He has a high basketball IQ. So 
whenever he comes in, I think Indiana fans can expect he's very more often than not going to make the smart basketball play. And I, I see those three-point numbers jumping from what they were last year because his sophomore year, even when he was asked to do so much, he was still almost a 40% three-point shooter. So his role is going to be less. And I'm, I'm very excited about this fit for reasons other than he's coming from Northwestern. <laughs> Jay, you know, one angle I want to hit on this is how this impacts Jerome Hunter. Because as soon as Miller Cop's name started surfacing, I kind of viewed him as Jerome Hunter insurance. Because, you know, Jerome Hunter is the higher ceiling player, right? When he's going offensively, he can do more things than Miller Cop. You know, theoretically, he could be a better defensive player, but we certainly haven't seen it. But, you know, we know Jerome can be a scintillating bucket getter at times. But we also know that some games, Jerome kind of struggles to get himself involved. So now you have a guy in Miller Cop who projects to be a much more consistent force that if Jerome is kind of having one of the bad Jerome games, you know, Miller Cop can step in, play those minutes, give you that look where you've got a little bit of a shorter guy, but a better shooter at the four. Um, you know, and so I think that's that's really good for this roster. Now, how that impacts what Jerome's expectations are for next year and how the playing time, you know, gets doled out with, you know, 13 players that legitimately, you know, think they're going to play a lot this year. That's that's going to be an important, you know, kind of task for Mike Woodson to handle. But I do like this because it really as you started putting lineups together next year and you started thinking about how can we surround Trace with as much shooting as possible, it was difficult to take Jerome out of those lineups. Well, now you've got another option next to a guy who's been pretty inconsistent for his career. And so I think that's from a roster building standpoint, that's a smart way to do it, I think. Yeah, and I think it also just gives us a lot more flexibility in terms of lineups, as you said. I mean, having two guys that are in that six foot seven range that can shoot the ball, that can play some, they can play together, they can play the four, they can play the three. Um, I think it just gives us a, a different kind of look to potential lineups. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably be more concerned about it affecting, you know, Trey Galloway's playing time, maybe yeah. Anthony Leal's playing time. Um, cause I, I view cop as kind of a, a bigger, more athletic version of Leal right now. And that's not to say that Leal can't kind of gain the strength and athleticism he needs to really contribute in the big 10, but cop just seems like somebody right now who has the body and has the ability and has already done it before at the big 10 level. Um, and, 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 you know, my biggest concern with Trey Galloway moving forward is that if you're not going to be able, if you're going to be a perimeter player at IU and you can't consistently hit shots, you're not going to play. And so I think Trey's got a lot of work to do in that in that department, along with other various other guys on the roster. But I think Cop definitely gives us some insurance for if Galloway takes a little while to figure out that jumper. And as you mentioned, if you know Jerome hasn't had the the best history when it comes to injuries, when it comes to consistent play. But I think it just gives us an extra dimension to really mix and match lineups. If we want to go small, we can go small. If we want to go bigger with you know Cop and Hunter out there with Trey's. We can do that um, if we want to play cop at the three with race out there. I think it gives us a lot of different things we can try to do on the offensive and defensive end of the ball. The other thing to think about as you start putting rosters together is it's going to be really easy to you know kind of plug Jerome and Miller Cop in there and just fall in love with these lineups that have a bunch of guys who can shoot along with Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis. As you get into the reality of Big Ten play, Michael, you're going to have to be able to rebound the basketball. And so this is where I would say, do not forget about Race Thompson, because Trace Jackson Davis is an okay rebounder. Like he's a, he's a he's a solid rebounder for his size and position. Miller Cop is not. Jerome Hunter is not. 
Um, you know, Jordan Geronimo, we, we don't really know enough of him yet. He's been a pretty good rebounder, but right now he doesn't kind of project to get some of those minutes. So that's going to be the the issue, Michael, is I think now you've got some more shooting capabilities, but there's going to be some matchups in Big Ten play where you're just going to have to go get rebounds. And that's going to mean Race Thompson's going to need to be out there with Trace Jackson Davis. And we have yet to see, you know, if Race Thompson's going to develop that three-point shooting. But that's where I would just offer a little bit of caution um, that, you know, you're you know, Miller cops, not like the perfect player where you've got this guy, boy, he rebounds and he makes threes. You know, you're going to give up something right now to get the shooting on the court, but the thing that you're giving up is going to matter in some games. And so to Jay's point, it's going to be interesting how they can mix and match lineups based on the matchup. And I would love to see us go back to a time when even the starting lineup is kind of amorphous and can change based on the matchup and who we're playing. Now, with you know all these talented guys on the roster, it certainly seems like we'll be able to do that, but we don't know what Mike Woodson's philosophy is there. But how, how do you see that that kind of shaking out? Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point. And I, I think the the hole that existed um, in terms of rebounding that was there before this morning, I guess, was it's it's still there. This Miller cop move does not really change a whole lot in terms of this team's ability to re. I mean, he can go and get them, but. Um, you know, not it to any sort of special extent more than any other, you know, respectable good six seven guy can. It's certainly not his strength. Um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that it adds depth, it's it, that that to me is the most interesting part about this. Is I've already been texting with my buddies. I, I don't know exactly how much he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to be the first guy off the bench. I don't know if he's going to be in the starting lineup for some certain matchup against some certain team. So. Yeah, for, to to answer the rebounding question, no, this this doesn't fill that hole to any any sort of great extent. But when you get a guy who started almost seventy five games in the Big Ten and you put him on that team, he's practicing every day. Uh, he he may start every now and then. He's going to be a significant player off the bench in all likelihood. Um, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be, but he can help space the floor on offense, and he is an aggressive player and. I remember him playing a lot of, you know, tr- trying to guard a lot of dribble drives and um, he can do a lot defensively. So it will be interesting to see how much of an impact that has on this team's ability to rebound and especially considering who he's going to be on the floor with, which could be any number of, of combinations of guys. Yeah. And the nice thing is, Jay, you know, Kofi Coburn's gone. Miles Johnson's gone. Luca Garza's gone. So some of the guys that were gobbling up a lot of the rebounds are uh, are going to be gone from the Big Ten this year, uh, which is going to be. Yeah, nice. and, and Jared and Jared from rebounding for me is so much about hard work and it's, it's about effort and it's about working together as a team. I mean, you look at we you know, the in the NCAA tournament, Houston, awesome job offensive rebounding the ball. I think they only had one guy who was six, eight on the roster and they just had six, five guys crashing the boards at every opportunity. And so if, if, if I use rebounding as a team and you have Xavier Johnson able to crash the boards, if you have, you know, you have Trace going in, you have, um, if you have Tamir Bates in the lineup and he can be an athletic guy to go get rebounds. I mean, so I think, uh, I think, you know, the individual rebounding numbers can be overblown a little bit. For me, it's just all about hard work and, and, and working together as a team on, on those things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's take a quick break here. A few uh, messages from our sponsors, and we will be right back. All right, let's bring in let's bring in Chat Mob Chad here, the host of Hoosier Morning After. Chad, your reaction to another bit of good news uh, this morning for Indiana basketball. And by the way, Mike DeCourcy should be here. He said he's going to try. He should be here in about ten minutes. So hopefully, we can get his thoughts uh, on Miller Cop to Indiana as well. Chad, your thoughts on Miller Cop to IU? 
It's great. It's the perfect fit. I mean, uh, after we had this happen, everyone was saying what's left is a good stretch four and a proven stretch four. And he's very much the stretch four. And uh, there's a YouTube video. You can go and watch his Ohio State game last year. He scored 23 points and kind of showed a bevy of what he can do on offense and how he can really contribute to this this team next year. And uh, he's a great cutter. He's a great shooter. He's uh, great coming off the screens. Uh, he can set great screens for other guys. He's got great vision of passing. I mean, it's just, it, it shows exactly uh, what he can do. And just having that additional weapon, um, uh, as, as you guys have said, what could be similar to a, a Jerome Hunter, I idealized Jerome Hunter is, um, it's great. And, and we have the roster finally set and I just can't stop drinking the Kool-Aid, guys. There's so much Kool-Aid I've been drinking recently. It's, the Kool-Aid it's, it's tastes fantastic. good right now. It's oh, good Kool-Aid. It's um, so yummy. Hey, Michael, let me get your insight on something. Because you look at Miller Cop's game log last year, and everybody remembers how hot Northwestern started. I mean, they you know they started off well. They were 3-0 in Big Ten play. Everybody's going nuts. This is Miller Cop's three-point shooting through the first like six, seven games of the year. Four for seven, three for three, 0 for three, three for six, 0 for one, three for four, three for four. I'd have to do some quick math, but that sounds to me like about 60% through about you know seven games, which is really good. The game after that, they lost, but he went three for five, and then it really tailed off. And then obviously Northwestern went through their huge losing streak. Do you know what the reason is last year, why he started out well and tailed off and why his numbers were so far below what he did as a sophomore shooting-wise? I don't. Um, I, I suppose it's it's possible he was battling an injury. I mean, this was around the turn, you know, right when we got into 2021, so kind of right in the, right in the thick of Big Ten play. And like you said, that's when Northwestern kind of hit that, I don't want to say little skid because it wasn't little by any stretch of the word, but... No, I don't know that there was any particular reason, at least that I'm aware of. I do remember he had a couple of games in that losing streak where he show he was kind of back to his normal form, where he was closer to 20 points, hit a couple of threes. Um, but in terms of what triggered that slight downfall in the middle of the season, I I don't remember anything in particular happening. But um, that that was just kind of an all around disaster for Northwestern from from top to bottom and everything in between. Hey, if nothing else, you know, he's eight for 15 in his career against Indiana. So if nothing else, we've removed a really good three-point shooter. And that classic, who's the Northwestern guy that's going to go off against IU? Well, it's been Miller Cop sometimes. So at least we've removed him. Uh, ooh, look at this. We've got a surprise guest. Ladies and gentlemen, more breaking news. <clears throat> it's the coach, Brian Tonsoni. So it's all about shooting. It's all about shooting, coach. <laughs> What do you think about the Miller competition? Well, it just um, it just speaks volumes for what Coach Woodson wants to run. You know, he, he needed shooters, uh, and he either A, needed to develop shooters from the players who were coming back, or B, get shooters into the program, or A and B, do both, but he's going to need shooters. If, if you're going to spread the floor and, and set ball screens and drive and, and do some of that, uh, you, you need shooting, and he is addressing – um, shooting and he's putting the pressure on guys that came back uh, who want to play uh, on the court and get some run, uh, they, they better shoot as well. So um, just an outstanding um, set of circumstances here to build a roster. And, and now it's just the complication of, 
are there enough basketballs for for 13 guys who, who, who want to play? Um, but the NBA, I, I'm pretty confident Coach Woodson handling all that because he was in the NBA. Um, and and th th those are tougher personalities to handle um, than, than guys uh, in college, uh, even though there could be some issues. But you can never have enough shooting. You can never have enough perimeter play, even though cops are bigger. Uh, a bigger player. I haven't heard anything that you guys have, have discussed because I just went on a, on my prep period here, but uh, it's just good. It's just, it's just really good. Um, and there's been nothing but good. So uh, can we start playing the next, next two weeks uh, to see exactly what he wants to do um, and how it's going to, going to see, because that's ultimately going to be the, the final tell on, on this program is the results. Um, but man, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's fun. It is fun. And look, I'm, I'm looking forward to the games as much as anybody. But as I you know, talked about with Galen yesterday, it's also kind of fun lingering in an offseason when everything seems possible. And Jay, you, you and I were talking real quick before we went live. It's like there's never a dull moment right now in this offseason. But now there might be. Like we might now enter into some dull moments because the roster is complete. I guess, you know, the one thing that could happen and I would, you know, I would say don't be shocked if it does if it is if a guy on the current roster decides that maybe he wants to go elsewhere now that you know, he sees how, you know, what, what the full 13 is going to look like. I'm not suggesting I, that I've heard anything like that, nothing. But, you know, now that you have this full roster and people might look at it and say, boy, where's my playing time going to come? I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked from that. But uh, what do you expect now from the rest of this offseason, Jay? I mean, on, on my end, what are we, 20, 22, 23 days into the, the Mike Woodson era? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, 23 days. And so, not even know, a when, month. When, <laughs> <laughs> and when he was hired, we had, um, you know, maybe four guys on the roster that weren't in a transfer portal. And then you had Trace, who was kind of out in, out in the wilderness, and nobody had any idea what was happening with him. And, uh, you know, 23 days later, we're looking at this kind of very complete, very well-put-together roster. I'm, it's, it's been really shocking. Um, and I, I, I think the whole, the whole, the whole staff, um, you know, Woodson, Mata, um, Dolson, who, I, who helped put this thing together, um, and brought in high quality assistance and have been able to do this so quickly. I mean, it's, it, you know, IU was getting a lot of crap for, you know, people saying they didn't have a plan when they fired Archie. I mean, well, we fired Archie, what, 30 days ago and uh, 30, you know, 35 days ago. And this is, uh, this is where we are. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's been an incredible turnaround. Um, and I have, yeah, as coach said, I, let's get, let's get them on the floor. Let's play some games. All right, so real quick, let's go around. We, we got to do this after we get a new guy all the time, just because it's fun and people clamor for it in the chat mob. Your your first impression starting fives. Now that we have another guy to add to the mix, uh, Chad, we'll go with you first. Opening opening night starting five. See, I'm 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 bold and I'm I'm confident in uh, one that hasn't been said, and, and I know people are pushing him out of the starting lineup, but I think Rob Rob is starting at point. I'm I'm very confident in in, in what. Uh, Dane Fife can do with his confidence and how he can build him around. I'm drinking that Kool-Aid big time. Um, I think you got Parker uh, as, as possibly number two uh, as the shooter from there. Um, three gets Harry as well. I mean, you might as well, I mean, you might as well not say one, two or two and three, it's going to be kind of the same, same position, but um, I want to see Hunter as the four. Um I know that's crazy. I know people want to see race and everything in there, but I, I want to play small. I want to play fast. Um, but the two and three is tough for me for me to, to decide who, who's going to be in there. Um, 
uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's all. Too, drink, drink some more of that Kool Aid, Chad, and see if yes, anything, I am. I'm see if anything reveals itself. Uh, coach, what do you, you know? To me, I think there's two spots written in pen. I think Xavier Johnson's going to be the point guard, and I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to be the big. And then I think things are going to rotate around there. Um, you know, you've got some options in the backcourt with Parker Stewart, with Rob Finnessy, with Christian Lander, with Tamar Bates. You know, a lot of that could just be who picks things up the best, who's shooting the best. But I think you could almost roll the dice and pick two of those guys and put them into a starting lineup, and it would make some sense. And then at the four, you know, race is probably the odds-on favorite. But then you've got Jerome Hunter for shooting, and now you got Miller Cop. So it's interesting. What is what are you kind of thinking? What's your first impression? Well. I'm interested to see if he brings NBA type rotations and I'm not a follower of the league uh, to know what rotations are eight, nine, 10. But what I have seen in the past, and and I'm going to watch a lot of NBA from here on out to try to see is, you know, it's just designated. You go in at five minutes, you go in at six minutes. And when you build depth like this, then man, there's offense coming from basically every corner of the potential lineup. But I think you're going to see uh, Robin race um, in there along with those two, Xavier and, and, and TJD. And then uh, interesting because I, I think um, Tamir, Tamar uh, Bate, you know, Tamar I think Bates. he's Tamar, Tamar Bates. Bates from what I've seen is a talent. Um, and it's going to be hard to keep that talent uh, out of a lot of minutes. So I could see him starting or I, you could even see him just gradually come on um, as a freshman. But I, I do think, um, the, the new guys are going to get a lot of run, uh, and it's just about the sales pitch. What did he tell, um, you know, cop, is it, is it a starting lineup? Is it a, is it a minutes uh, situation? Is it the, you know, I can help you, uh, be, be a stretch four and get to the NBA, but you're only going to play 20 minutes. We don't know that, but I imagine those conversations were had for me, it would be Rob, uh, Xavier, Parker, trace and race. Um, to get off to a good start with some offense and then bring some offensive guys, Lander off the bench, uh, Bates off the bench, Cop off the bench. And now you got offense uh, to go along, you know, along with those guys. It becomes exciting. We went from, I think, I think we went from complaining think, about our backcourt to possibly rolling Christian Lander and Tamar Bates in as our sixth and seventh men. <laughs> and I think that's the point of it is that with this lineup and how he wants to play fast is that it, it, it may change. We may, we may not see the ingrained in stone starting five that we've seen uh coming from miller i mean it, it it may change game to game and best shock ever it may change at half that's gonna be the best hey. part of it too um so well, i don't know it, that'd be something it's exciting all right michael your thoughts i i was gonna say how many different lineups are we going to see this season is the over-unders at like 10 and a half how many different start starting lineups i should say um we're going to see the season. It, it could totally depend. You know, we could see one on a Tuesday against Iowa and see a completely different one on a Saturday against Wisconsin, just depending on how each team matches up. I, I think, you know, Trace and Race, to me, are pro- – I I, I've been rifling through like five different combinations in my head since this question was asked. It's fun, isn't it? I, I think it's, it's just really – like you said, I, I hate to echo what everybody said, but it, it's just a really – intriguing and in a lot of ways exciting situation to be in where you can ask anyone who follows the program who's your starting five and the answer is I don't really know not because you don't 
have a solid starting five, but probably because you have two solid starting fives. So I'd like to see, I'm more interested to see in how often they change the starting lineup, because I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say the starting five on the first game is not going to necessarily be the starting five in game seven or eight. So this is going to be really, really interesting. They have so much depth now. It's it's very it's exciting. I can't help but smile. It's a really, really, really great spot to be in in the off season. And we don't. I just I'd like to see where Miller Cop fits into this rotation. I don't know how many games he's going to start. There are so many different combinations. It's just a really exciting time. And how fun is it for a Northwestern kid now to see a Northwestern player transfer to IU? I mean, this really. This really is the the perfect culmination of the Michael Dugan era at Indiana, I think. Don't you? Wouldn't you say? Everything is coming full circle. We can finally <laughs> close the chapter on the rocky years that were basically since I got there until now. So maybe this is the start of a new chapter, and this is the whole symbolic event that leads to that. So <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, Jay, starting lineup. Does it has it changed from the last time we talked about this? Yeah, I mean, I agree that I'm I'm kind of there with you on Trace and. Uh, and Xavier being locked in at two spots. Um, man, I'm, I'm really high on Tamir Bates. Um, sorry, Tamar Bates. Tamar Bates. Um, Thanks, I, Coach. You, you I got watched, that. You put that bug yeah. in everybody's yeah. head. <laughs> Scoop. I watched, Scoop. I watched, his nickname uh, Scoop. Uh, Scoop. That's right. Scoop Bates. I watched probably three or four of his games on, on YouTube yesterday, um, and he's just he's a high-level scorer. I mean, he's, he's playing on IMG, and they're playing against the other top uh, high school teams in the country. There's McDonald's All-Americans all over the court. And he stands out with his athletic ability, his scoring ability, his ability to hit really tough shots off the bounce and off the catch. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into him being a starter at some point in the season. And so I'll go with Xavier, uh, Parker Stewart, um, Tamar Bates, uh, Race, and Trace. Um, I think that is a, a really good lineup, a really athletic lineup, a lineup that can, that can get the work done on, on both ends of the floor. And that's that's some size right there too. I mean, we get talking about a six three, six four point guard, a couple six five guys on the wing, um, and then uh, you know a six eight and a six nine, six ten guy down low. I mean, I, let's let's go. Yeah, you know, I, I when I was talking with Galen yesterday, you know, I, I've been pretty firmly in the camp that I think I think Race is going to start alongside Trace, and I think you want him to because I think Race can start out guarding the opposing big. Now, you know, maybe that changes in a game where there's not a good opposing big, but you allow Race to take that matchup, free up Trace to focus on his offense. Um, I think Parker Stewart's going to start because I think he and Xavier Johnson just match really well together. And, you know, I think Parker profiles as the most reliable shooter that we have. And then I've gone back and forth with Rob and with Tamar. You know, I think, you know, Rob being a senior, having been through some battles, I think we're all interested to see, you know, what kind of relationship Dane Five can build with him and if he can help him through some of the mental hurdles. But gosh, the more that I've watched Tamar Bates and just how talented he is, I don't know if he'll start right out of the gates, but I would be really hard-pressed to think he's not going to be one of the top five guys in minutes on the team because he's just so talented. And you want to you wanna be careful with freshmen. You know, just like last year with Christian Lander, you know, we tried, even though he's a five-star, you try to not put the hype, you know, out in front of where it should be. It's a totally different scenario because Christian Lander was, you know, reclassifying so that and was a point guard, so that made it totally different. But Tamar Bates, just given his size, what he can do, the fact that he's been playing at IMG, kind of preparing for this, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be hard, really hard to keep him off the court. So it's like it's a great problem to have. It's a problem, I think, because there's a lot of guys, and this is going to be, you know, Coach Woodson 
I think it's easy to look at and coach. This is something I wanted to get your perspective on. You know, Coach Woodson's been working with professionals where even if those guys aren't playing, they're making good money. You know, they've kind of arrived in their basketball career to a certain extent. Now, some young guys are going to want to play more so they can get their second contract, all of that stuff. But it's a different mentality than college kids who have a finite amount of time to play in college. And, you know, surely we're told at least some things about how they're going to get to compete for playing time and certainly had expectations of how much playing time they're going to get. And now some guys on this roster are not going to get the playing time they're expecting, right? How do you sell that to guys on, hey, we're, we have a chance to build something special here. We've got to focus on the, the team, the whole, let's build something that's greater than the sum of its parts to the guys who may not be able to go out and showcase themselves. Like, what is that sales job like for Coach Woodson? How much different do you think it'll be with college kids than with professional athletes? Yeah, it comes down to genuine conversations and relationships. Um, obviously, some things in the in the past couple of coaching tenures was absent, uh, whether we witnessed it or now in reflection, we look back upon it. The thing that's most impressive to me is that Coach Woodson got some of these guys back with, no, you know, um, I don't want to say any guarantee of playing time. I'm sure that was in the conversation. But a Geronimo comes back, race comes back, and, and you kind of had to look at where does race fit in? We had those questions, right? But those conversations um, have to be going positive, and you have to think that Coach Woodson is just being honest. Um, and, yes, it's different because of the money and, and of the talent and those things, but uh, I think you have special guys in Leo and Galloway who love being in Indiana and are going to be there for four more years, and their time is going to come. And you got to sell it as you, you got to be ready when your time is there, whether it's the 10th game next season uh, for 10 minutes or whether it's your sophomore year. Some of these guys are going to graduate in a couple of years and you got two years to be the guy. Um, if he can sell that, that's how you sell it in college is you got to get the right guys who are willing to wait and, and possible red shirt, too. We haven't even talked about that. The use of a, a red shirt, even though you had a year that was an automatic red shirt uh, in the covid situation. But. You know, that development in practice is valuable, too. And so you sell that. Um, uh, and the one thing that I am the most confident in, and I've always been, I'm the one who's a little Debbie Downer in all the podcasts and say it's got to be on the floor and, you know, don't sell, you know, your uh, house to go buy Final Four tickets yet. But, um, you know, his conversations have been fantastic. I think he's just a no-nonsense. This is my final go-around. I'm going to bring Indiana back, and I'm going to tell you like it is, and if you want to come and have a chance at playing time, come earn it. And I think that's a good sign that these the guys who come back and are recruited are okay with that competition, at least now until, you know, like you said, maybe someone jumps in. But yeah. you sell it with good, honest conversations that these kids are valuable to you. Uh, and as we heard um, Bates say, he's promised – the only promise he made me was to be a good person and, and to be a better man. Man, Coach Woodson has it. I, I wasn't sure – uh, but the more I'm around, uh, I think he has that way of dealing with people, even at different levels. I like everything about that. Thanks, Coach. The, um. <laughs> the, the conversation that, that Bates had, I think I forget. I think uh, maybe it might, have, it might have been Dustin Dopierak who had the who had the quotes from Bates and his father, uh, and it really seems like um, you know Kenya Hunter was a big and getting us in the door with with uh, Tamar Bates. But it was the Zoom meetings with the two Zoom meetings with Mike Woodson that really convinced Bates that Indiana was where he wanted to be. Yeah. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is. Okay. Breaking news. We've got Mike DeCourcy on with us. It has been too long, Mike, since we've had a chance to talk, but I figured this is a great time to bring you back on here. And what is, by the way, you just broke the record for the largest panel ever for the assembly call. We now have a starting five and a sixth man here. But Mike DeCourcy is, <laughs> Mike DeCourcy is no sixth man. Uh, or if he is, he's the Will Sheehy, Max Bielfeld type. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the Miller Cop edition for Indiana and how he fits in. Well, I think that uh, that he helps address the biggest weakness that existed in took both of the biggest weaknesses that existed in the, the 2021 Hoosiers, which was length on the perimeter and sh- and perimeter shooting ability. Uh, they, they were too small on the wings uh, from from one to three. I mean, uh, it, it, oh, it's OK to have. Look, as I said many times, it's okay to have three small guards if two of them are lights out three point shooters. You can do that if you've got three guys. If you got Macy Oteague was the tallest of Baylor's guys. The other two guys were relatively short, as modern college basketball goes. Uh, but they were lights out three point shooters and elite defenders, and so it didn't matter that they didn't have size on the perimeter. I mean, that's that that what what just became the, the national champions, one of the smallest national championship teams we've we've had, certainly in the modern era, a uh, six, nine center, a six, four power forward, a six, four shooting guard. And then uh, I think six two six foot is what we were at the other positions. Uh, but they didn't have that for the Hoosiers. They had three small guards, none of whom was ex- ultra reliable from three point range. Uh, and so it. It affected their defense to be that small, uh, and it affected their offense to be that ineffective from three-point range. So Miller Cop, although certainly not a Scottie Pippen-level defender, uh, comes and he brings you length uh, in terms of in in terms of uh, his defensive uh, acumen. And then uh, from the offensive end, uh, he has the ability. Now he did not shoot the basketball particularly well last year, but he has the ability to be a high-end three-point shooter. And so I, th- I think that, that that was a significant need for Indiana. I know he's not the only player who addresses it. Uh, Parker Stewart uh, uh, hopefully uh, would address it as well. But now you have multiple options in addition to the younger players from a year ago, the, the, the guys who will now be sophomores, uh, th- those players. Or will they be freshmen? I don't know what, what you know, with the new rule. I don't know. But they'll be, I, they'll be uh, athletically sophomores, I guess. Technically, uh, and the, I, so I think you have many more options uh, for perimeter shooting to try to get some space onto a court that had very little uh, during the past season. You know, Mike, Indiana fans know Miller Cop's ability to shoot well. He has shot over fifty percent from downtown against Indiana for his career. Of course, and, yeah, of course, of I know, course. I know. Uh, and you look at his sophomore year numbers. And it'll make any fan salivate. 39.6% from downtown, 89.6% from the free throw line. Has never been particularly efficient on twos, but the three-point shooting you know, is what he's going to be asked to do. 
Do you have any insight on why he struggled so much last year, dropping to 32%? Because as we were talking about earlier, he started out the year great, his first seven or eight games, and then the shooting kind of fell off a cliff. And Was there an injury? Was it a confidence it, thing? Any idea? I, you know, I, I, I'm not aware of any injury. Um, I, I, I think that his confidence has always been hit or miss. If you look back his freshman year as well, he was streaky then too. Uh, and so I, I think that... Uh, the, the struggles that they had as a team probably weighed on him. I would think that that on a successful team that is asking him to first and foremost be, you know, that would, without a doubt, I mean, whatever else happens, that would be his primary role is to get open three-point looks and convert them. That's going to be num- job number one for him. And if he can make it bigger than that, that's, you know, that's something that he can establish in practice uh, he can make it a bigger role, but the the number one job he'll have is to try to get open uh, and to try to convert o- those those open those openings to threes. And if he does that, it, I, I think that he he becomes a more engaged player. When his shot doesn't fall, I, I you can see him you know sort of drift out of the game. And I think that that's something that he absolutely has to. You know that, that, that this staff has to make sure that they get out of him that constant uh, reinforcement that he's a valuable player. So you know, one thing that I want to get your perspective on, Mike, is I'm starting to get excited about what this Indiana team can be next year for obvious reasons. There's a lot of enthusiasm around the program, um, you know, and so I think Indiana fans see that and you see, hey, there were a lot of talented guys on this team last year. It didn't fit, but now they're going to be in a new system that seems to fit them better. You add guys like Xavier Johnson and Miller Cop and Tamar Bates, all who figure to be rotation guys right out of the gates. A lot of reason to think this could be a better team. Then you look at some of the guys leaving the Big Ten. Io is gone. Garza's gone. Wisconsin's losing some guys. You know, it doesn't feel like the Big Ten will be as treacherous as it's been. It'll still be really good, but it feels like this year may be a little bit easier to move up. Where do you see right now, even without all the rosters figured out, where do you see IU in the pecking order of the Big Ten right now? Well, I, you know, one of the things about doing that is that you have to judge the roster and then you and then you have to sort of just guess at the coaching. And that's not to say that he can't coach. I mean, he's he's a terrific coach, but I don't know what he is as a college coach. It's a different game. You're not dealing with guys who are pros who have been doing this for many, many years. Uh, you're, you're dealing with uh, a group of young people who, uh, who ha- one, who haven't had great success. Uh, you know, I think Trace was on a very successful 2020 team, but not an elite team. Uh, and so most of the players on this team have known defeat or struggle more than they have known success, uh, at least within an, in, in an Indiana uniform. And when you think about Miller, you think about uh, Xavier Johnson, uh, those guys have not been on great teams either. So he's got to push this team into belief. That's probably his most important job uh, is is to get them to to believe that they can win Uh, in in a league that was very difficult a year ago. I agree with you, Jared, that I still think the top of the league is going to be very strong. Uh, Ohio State, Purdue. Uh, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, those teams all have all the ingredients that they need to be really significant in the 2022 season. Uh, so I, 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 
it's hard to pin down exactly where Indiana belongs because of, um, you know, because of the uncertainty of, of, of a new college coach, not just a new coach, but a new college coach. But I, I think Mike will do very well. I, I, will be, I will be much more surprised if he does poorly than if he does well. I expect that uh, he's put together a good, good staff. Uh, he's got, he, he's, he's been really, um, I, I think he's been really smart about how he has built this roster, uh, either through retaining players that were on the way out through the portal or bringing in players through, through recruitment or the portal. I think he's been really sharp about that. Uh, he, he has, he, he's shown, uh, an understanding of what was wrong a year ago and what needs to be fixed. Uh, and so I, given that, I do think he'll be really effective. And so, you know, I would say that you know, the goal would be the upper half. Well, not, yeah, the upper half, because it's 14 teams. If you make the upper half, if you make the top seven, then given the teams that I just rattled off and where they're likely to reside in this season, if you make the upper half, you're probably a tournament team. And so if they can get to that at minimum, you know, then I think that's a really successful year one. And I'm not saying they have to do that for year to be successful in year one, but that seems like a nice goal to shoot for. And I think the rewards would be abundant if they made that. Now, now, Mike, you, you talked about, you said a great thing about Indiana's size on the outside uh, last year. And you, you, you of, of all of us ha- have seen Cop play a lot more. Um, with that size, do you see him? And we're kind of ingrained in we need to stretch four. Now, do you see him playing the three? Do you think he could play the three? Do you think he could defend the three, the, the pos- three position? Uh, how does he line up uh, playing any, anywhere else other than the four? I, I'm sorry, I, I, Chad. I could not hear anything Chad said, Jerry. No, you couldn't. So he was talking about Miller Cop possibly playing the three instead of the four, and the, how how you think he could fit there. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's where he fits on this team. But he all, but the fact that he can do the that you can play him, you know, he's got experience, some experience playing the four. Uh, it gives you the chance to to get that space that I talked about. I think he can handle the three. It depends on the opposing, you know, uh, it depends. On, if you're playing Baylor, you don't want it matched up against Macy Oteague too often, um, for instance. Uh, but there are certainly three men in college basketball that he ha- that he can capably defend. But again, like I said, if you put him at the, at the four spot and you have Trace uh, at the five, uh, that gives you that space that I talked about that was really missing from this team. Uh, it, 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 it was they became a a a less of a challenge to defend than they should have been. If the ball was in Trace's hands, uh, there was a good chance it was going in. But wouldn't there have been a much better chance for it to go in if he was always singled up and and almost never faced double coverage, uh, which you would have if you have Parker Stewart shooting forty percent on one wing and. Uh, and Jordan Geronimo coming off the bench to shoot in the high 30s or 40s, and Miller Cop shooting in the high 30s. It, those kinds of players create that space on the floor uh, that that was really a problem for the Hoosiers a year ago. Uh, and you know, Xavier Johnson's a very fine shooter as well. Pro- again, a guy who um, who probably carried a little bit more of a burden at Pitt with the rosters he had uh, than he will 
ideally on this team. He'll still, you know, if, if he wins the starting point guard spot, he'll still have to drive the the engine, uh, drive drive the you know dr- make everything go. Uh, but his shots will come less as gosh, we need we need a guy to score. Uh, you know, all we got is is Champigny. Um, let's you know let's uh, you know ride. Z- Xavier a little bit now it'll be okay you ran through the offense ball kicks back to the point is it time to restart or is he open enough to shoot it that those kinds of things will happen more often for him and I think that that will increase his efficacy Mike I know you've been high in demand today so I want to be respectful of your time do you have time for two more questions sure sure good okay Jay go ahead hey Mike hey I I just want to get your overall thoughts and impressions about the direction of IU basketball, you know, you know, 35, 40 days ago, IU is getting booed off the court in Indianapolis. And now it seems like there's just some real momentum behind the program. And we'd just love to hear your thoughts about, you know, what this last month has looked like and how, and how you're feeling about the program as a whole now. I think they've made, I, and I was not in favor of firing Archie because IU has become a program that has now fired, dismissed, removed, however you want to, whatever the pop prop, five consecutive coaches have less, have, have departed less than voluntarily. Let's put it that way. That's over a 20 year period. That is not good. So two things. One, you had to, you had to handle the hiring process correctly. And I think they have done everything well in that regard, hired a really sharp coach, putting, put, you know, put really good people around him, um, he's made all the right moves in terms of understanding what the roster needed, uh, what it might have lost if he didn't hustle, what it could get in through the portal. I think he's made a lot of really good moves. So everything has gone the right way. I think the next step, Jay, is I think there has to be some degree of patience. I, I, it can't, it, there, it can't, because things are good now in the off season, it can't, it can't, there can't be dissatisfaction if things don't go well in the first season. I, I think they will. Uh, I think that we have every reason to believe they will. But if they don't, I think that maybe the biggest step in, in the advance of Indiana's program is that there has to be some patience. And, and, and I, like I said, I may be wrong, and you may not need any patience. I mean, maybe it'll be a spectacular success year one, and everything will go great. Uh, and you know they'll finish fifth in a in a in a very strong Big Ten, and you know win their ACC challenge game, whoever it turns out to be, and all that stuff. I may be wrong that, but more than likely, it's going to be a challenge because of all the teams I mentioned, um, because it's a coach in his first year, and there may be some losses that people are disappointed to take. There may be even look if they play Purdue twice this year, which I think they will. There may be two Purdue losses because Purdue could be terrific, and IU could play them great twice and lose. Um, I think this Purdue team is going to be outstanding. Uh, but if the patience is there, then everything will be in place at that point because you'll have a great staff, you'll have a promising roster, you'll have a head coach uh, who has a lot of Indiana talent, but not exclusively in a Indiana talent, and that will help engage the next group of terrific Indiana players uh, to be interested in becoming Hoosiers. Mike, Coach Tonson here. Um, what, what is the most difficult adjustment for Coach Woodson coming out of the pros and going to college? What's he got to really focus on in order to become a really good college coach? Because every level is different. 
and he's had success in the NBA. But in your mind, what is the one major adjustment that he's going to have to be aware of and make in order to get this program back to where it needs to be? Well, I think the first thing is the adjustment to understanding. I think that he's shown that he that he gets this. The first thing is the adjustment to understanding that where I came from, the NBA, and where he's been for 40 years, it is basically the jobs he has held have basically been close to 100% basketball. Whether it's in whether it's in the office watching tape or at home watching tape or on the plane watching tape or in the gym either helping to instruct players or going through game plans or coaching the games, that's 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 pro basketball coaching. That's why Brad Stevens loves it. That's why Billy Donovan loves it. Uh, that's you know the people who who make that transition in that direction are loath to give it up because they don't have to deal with everything else. Which is the you know the the I always say that that a college coach is probably fifty percent minimum general manager before he even coaches because your your deal is you have to find the players you have to scout the players you have to sign the players uh, you have to re now you have to re recruit the players who might be dissatisfied with their role or their minutes on the team. Uh, there's all that. And then there's the ancillary stuff, uh, you know, uh, alumni relations, uh, donor relations, things like academic interactions, whatever you might need to have relative to your players. And those are less now than before because you aren't you are discouraged from interfering, but you still have to make sure that you understand where your players are academically so that they stay eligible and they stay on track to graduate and keep your APR where you need it to be. All that stuff. So I think that's the big adjustment. In terms of on the floor, I think there's a couple. One is that the game is a little slower because of the 30-second clock. Uh, it's a little, you know, there's there's that idea of the, uh, of the block charge that's so much different in college. You have to be prepared for that. You have to coach to it. You have to make sure your players understand uh, to be careful about how they attack the goal and to be ready to jump in front of guys, opponents that do. Uh, and, and you also have to understand it's a shorter game. Some of the things that you can get by with in a 40 minute game, a 48 minute game, uh, you don't have those spare possessions. Are we losing Mike's connection here? And, and slower we lost Mike. <clears throat> Look, you know, he made the mention of Indiana losing twice to Purdue, and we just had to cut his mic. That's, that's the rules <laughs> on the show. <laughs> now, we uh, show, look, look, we we really appreciate Mike DeCourcy coming on. Always great insight. You know, I want to, you know, the one thing I want to say, Coach, I think Mike made a great point there about some of the non-basketball things that Mike Woodson is going to have to deal with. And I think the idea, hopefully, is that Thad Mata is able to help him with some of those. And that's where you know the addition of Thad Mata really helps. Coach, your thoughts on that and the role that Thad Mata can play in helping Coach Woodson with some of those adjustments? Well, the, the longer this goes on, the more genius Scott Dolson becomes, in my mind. You know, when, when the hire first came out, there was always that, that wonder if this was the right thing and you needed a college coach with experience for those very reasons because the college game is complicated with a lot of off-the-court things. And that's always a concern – uh, that I had from an NBA guy coming back. Um, but, boy, putting um, uh, 
Coach Mata in there, keeping Coach Roberts and another associate AD who's been an assistant that can help with all of the recruiting rules and restrictions and all of that, uh, that really helps because um, I, I think Dolson saw that and knew that and, and, and wanted Woodson for some basketball things and knew that he might need some guidance. So I, I'm just really impressed with the whole setup, to be honest. It's been very telling compared to the last two coaches that we had where, uh, one, we didn't hear much about the inner workings of the coaching staff and how everyone intertwined and, and related to each other. And this one, we this one, 23 days in, we're already learning so much about everyone's different role and it being more of a coaching committee, um, not really being the head coach and this is my way, this is how things are going to run. Uh, but Dane Fife has even speaked about that uh, – Coach Woody has has looked for him for opinion and, and everything like that. And maybe that was happening under Miller. It didn't seem like it was. Um, but with this team and this and, and this coaching staff, it just feels like more of a committee and more probably NBA uh, ran type of program. And maybe we're groundbreaking and we're, we're doing something that's going to be carried on uh, and we're going to see imitated a lot more uh, within the college uh, atmosphere. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Chad. I think – it's clearly Mike Woodson's program because I don't know if Yusir Rosemond gets hired if if Mike Woodson isn't able to put his foot down and say, you know, some decisions are mine. But I think what ideally is going to happen, is, and that's not to say other guys aren't on board with that, but that's a guy that you know came from you know from Mike Woodson. Um, you know, what is going to be interesting is there are obviously things that that Mike Woodson doesn't know and hasn't experienced. And so his willingness to be open to Dane Fife and to Thad Mata and guys who have been around is really going to be important, you know, and how those relationships develop. And it's still too early Zero to know ego. about that. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what everybody says. And if that's the case, you know, and there's no reason to think it's not, then that's going to really be huge. Coach, I will say on the Mike Roberts thing, like it's awesome thinking about him being around. I, Wes Miller going to Cincinnati and having open spots as assistants, it does not make sense to me that Mike Roberts is still going to be here. Like, maybe he will, because maybe his love for Indiana is that much. I'm just going to be surprised, I guess, is all I'm saying, if he doesn't end up back with Wes Miller, because he wants to be a coach. So, you know, I'm, that's one of those things. I'm not going to kind of bank on Mike Roberts being here until those assistant spots are filled. And maybe he will. Hopefully he will, believe me. I mean, the more guys like that that you can get, you know, that would be phenomenal. But that that's my other... My other, you know, I guess the two concerns I have, number one, are just, you know, how do these rotations go and what's the vibe in the locker room? And is everybody pulling in the same direction when playing time expectations aren't met? And then this coaching staff that all has great individual guys with great resumes, but was kind of thrown together. How do they mesh in year one? Because that relationship between the coaches, I think, is going to be really important. So those are two things that it's hard to like look at a Ken Palm page and project a roster and see how those things are going to impact it. But those would be my, not worries necessarily, but they're the big questions I have heading into the season. Um, one of the things I'll say is just look at the overall nature. One, he's convinced a lot of guys to come back. Yeah, he lost Joey and Armand, but Geronimo what, couldn't have been guaranteed a starting spot where he could have gone and maybe played more right away. So what that leads me to say that the message of development and togetherness in Indiana is resonating. The same thing with race. I, you know, you're going to try to play race at the four, but really he's more he has played more like a, another, another five out on the court in the previous system, uh, and he's going to have to shoot. So he came back. I, I just am really been impressed with what I see from afar in, in the fact that 
he's having honest conversations and that's all you could ask. That's going to come down to rotations. That's going to come down to playing time. You know, uh, Mike DeCourcy made a good point about 48 minutes down to 40. You have less time for your automatic substitution patterns. You know, someone always going in at the four minute mark in the NBA um, that might not work. So those are some of those adjustments, but you have people around you know, the, the Mike Woodson by himself hire when it first was announced was, Oh, I put my hands up. But the more this is playing out, the more those things are going to be taken care of. Uh, because um, I go back to this. It's not just an IU guy. It's the right IU guy. It's the right IU guy who's been in the NBA for a long time. It's the right IU guy because he has a way of talking. Uh, and it's not just the third person. Uh, but but it's a way of, of really saying, you know, I love Indiana. I want Indiana back. You need to be here for this reason. And I'm going to help you be the best you can be. That's what we're hearing. And I think that – What's interesting is it's it's selling uh, and, and it's working so far. The X's and O's and the staff development is going to have to play out um, ultimately. And again, I think Mike was right on point with, you know, Worcester seventh in the Big Ten and we're an eight nine seed. That's got to be acceptable next year. It can't be a disappointment because we have been disappointed too fast, too quick. A loss to Syracuse and Crean was done. You know, the early Archie Miller and Archie was done. I'd hate to see that happen. Uh, again, um, with, with Coach Woodson, if things don't go to where where we want to be, so I thought Mike, as usual, had a had a lot of good comments there. He did, and Jay, I want to I want to get some concluding thoughts from you. I still think Indiana fans aren't getting given enough credit for how patient they've actually been. I like, I know that there there are there's a certain segment of the fan base that gets a little bit upset a little bit too quickly, but. You know, Archie got four years, and the support was still pretty good, like late in year three. And, you know, Kareem with the Syracuse loss, that was that was year five. And maybe that was a bit of an overreaction, but Kareem got a lot of time. So I don't know. I, I push back a little bit on that. I think I, – I, I just think there's more balance to that discussion. I think Indiana fans are more patient than we've been given credit for. Coach, we disagree on that a little bit, I think, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you know, I've, I'm, I was born, you know, two months before we won the 1987 title. And so, you know, the majority of my Indiana basketball life has been following a very, uh, you know, not to borrow my favorite term, but mediocre program um, as it kind of winds its way through, through the, through the national college basketball world. And, you know, it's, it's, interesting when you know bringing it back to when the day woodson was hired there was a lot of criticism of the hire because he hadn't coached college basketball before you know he hadn't recruited before he hadn't had to go through all jump through all the hoops that the ncaa makes you jump through and i think it's those have been addressed at every turn uh you know you bring in mata who has all the experience in the world about navigating the ncaa you bring in uh, assistant coaches with you know incredible connections around the country with a, with head coaching experience, with decades worth of college basketball coaching experience. You know, you, you bring in a guy like Yusir Roseman, who is tied around to all of the kind of the big recruiting networks in the country. So I think those, those you know, big concerns, especially from the national guys, when the hire was made, has, have really been addressed as quickly and as well as possible. You know, and they wanted to get, you know, they wanted to give us all crap saying that IU was showing it wasn't a top 10 or 15 job. Well, see, Arizona, North Carolina, Texas, and IU all opened up this year. I think those were all probably, you know, top 15, top 20 jobs. And all four hired alums. So, and IU is the first one to do that. So, <laughs> what are, I mean, what are we even talking about at this point? 
So, and I was the only one that I think was roundly criticized by the national guys for hiring an alum. So it's one of those things, you know, I, I think we have a better feel for where the program is now. And, um, and, and, and we have a, and we really like the direction it's heading and, uh, I, yeah, let's go. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, Chad, do you have any Kool-Aid left over there or have you consumed uh, all of I, it? I drank this. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go down and fill back up. Um, Hey, what I'm excited of uh, overall, again, we haven't seen anyone on the court. So what can we kind of look at? And what I look at and am most excited about is the mentality of this team. And not only the team and the coaches and everything, but but the players themselves. And the the mental aspect of every player that uh, these these last couple years that we've had is just they've seen mentally fatigued. They've seen mentally just drained and not emotional, not cheering, not going crazy in a lot of these games. But I see that changing uh, with this team. Uh, Xavier Johnson has already showed on Twitter and everything how fired up he is and ready to get going. And you watch videos on on Scoop. Uh, Scoops is that kid that has the chip on his shoulder. When he went to IMG, uh, he, he said that he was playing against guys that were had those twelve uh, uh, offers, and and he was like, "All right, now you need to show me why you have those twelve offers." And then once he was in that in those shoes, he was like, "All right, now it's time for me to step up." and show what I can do. And then uh, before I got on here, I was watching, uh, they had Northwestern had a day in the life video uh, with cop and he's, he's running, running around being a very, uh, a leader, being a cheerleader to, to other players, uh, guys getting rehab and asking them how they're going and, and, and everything. And it just feels like the mentality, that bulldog feeling uh, mentality is going to be back on the court. Um, and if it isn't, then uh, the biggest one of the biggest bulldogs we've ever had in Hoosier history is now an, an assistant coach, and he's going to bulldog those players to, to to get get in there and fight and everything like that. So that's that overall is again what has me excited. And if you've watched any any of my Hoosier morning afters this last season, uh, the word bulldog has probably been the one that I've said the most. Um, and so that just has me overjoyed and excited. And uh, we keep forgetting that we've got a lot of uh, Coach Tonsoni tailgates. And a whole football season uh, to to get us through this. <laughs> Hopefully, that'll come along fast. And coach, I'm also sorry to tell you, but now what I'm excited for is a whole lot of practice videos. Ooh, practice videos. Practice, practice. Uh, yeah, everywhere you turn, there's an IU sports program worth getting excited about. So we have plenty to distract us until November. Hey, coach, I want to lead you into a final thought, uh, just with some comments from Miller Cop here. This is from Inside the Hall. Uh, Miller Cop on his commitment to Indiana. It was just a mixture of Coach Woodson's experience and his plan for me. The familiarity with the Big Ten and Indiana's roster as well, and the potential for us to do something great. On expectations for next season, quote, we have high expectations for sure. That's why I'm coming to Indiana. On Mike Woodson, quote, I think he's real. He's straight up with you, which I appreciate. He knows I can help him, and I know that he can help me. The symbiotic relationship is exciting for me. And then cop on facing his former teammates at Northwestern. Quote, it's going to be wild. We're already talking crap because those are my really good friends over there. Hey, if nothing else, Miller Cop will be able to give us a scouting report on which ninth man on Northwestern to make sure that we guard uh, so he doesn't go off on us. So that's nice. Uh, your uh, your final thoughts, Coach, on the commitment of Miller Cop? Well, he uses too big a word, symbiotic. I'm going to have to look that up here during fourth period and make sure I know what that means. You know, I'm just a straight X and O guy, you know, <laughs> rebound, block out, symbiotic. I don't know what symbiotic means. Hopefully that means, you know, working well together. But, um, you know, Pretty I good. think a uh, uh, good guess. Um, we, need a, we need a Coach no, Tonsoni dictionary where we just get, you know, the real, yeah. the real world definitions of words. That was good, I, Coach. Tonsoniisms. That's what I call them in class here. Dumb down the definitions so I can understand them. You, you know, my wife. Dumbass. Exactly. I am. 
Um, no, this is going, this is going well. Uh, the Indiana program, there's a lot of excitement. I joke about, you know, trying to go to Walmart and buy Kool-Aid and there's no Kool-Aid left in Indiana. It's all gone. I mean, people are buying it by, you know, the, I do think that it's okay to have concerns. I think those concerns are being answered though. And they're being answered with slam dunk answers. Uh, I, I disagree with a lot of you guys about the, the national media and everything. They have a right to have concern. We have a right to then say, you know, your concerns are now met and then some. Uh, and that, that's where I take more pride in the answers uh, as opposed to trying to criticize the, the criticism. Um, their criticism is being proved wrong. So I, I think it's good. I, I like the fact that he's a real straight shooter. I think that's what Indiana needed. I do think the pressure of the job, right or wrong, has gotten to the last three or four uh, coaches uh, and where that comes from and who deserves the, you know, the blame that can be debated. The pressure of the Indiana job makes it a good job and it only makes it that certain people can handle it. And I, and I think Coach Woodson and staff are, are well on the way to handling that, which means better basketball. It's just a matter of how soon for me um, that we get the guys that struggled last year mentally and physically up to speed and the new guys who, you know, transferred away from programs. We can't forget that we always fall in love with the new guys. The new guys have some flaws, too, that we have to watch and, and develop. Uh, just because they're new doesn't mean that they're automatically going to play at a, at a super high level. So, you know, still still a lot of work to be done, Hoosier fans. But, yes, this is a, a very positive direction for Indiana basketball, and it's one that has me excited. Well, Kevin Durant plays shooting guard. I should have Evan Fitzner play shooting guard. It's just a just a reminder. <laughs> Boy, that's an old cut. That's a deep cut right there. Um, no, it's true. But, Coach, this is April 20th, and uh, this is not the time for talking about flaws. This is not the time for talking about the problems. This is time to marinate in an offseason where all things seem possible, which given you know the last couple of years and, and how things felt is really fun. So, by the way, I wanted to pass along a message from uh, from Mike DeCourcy, who uh, said, sorry, I cut out. Please give the audience my apology. So some connections there with Mike DeCourcy, but we really appreciate him hopping on last second. Really appreciate Michael Dugan uh, coming back on. It was great to talk to him and Jay and Chad and Coach. Really appreciate you guys coming on and everybody who's who's watched live. The good news keeps rolling for the IU basketball program, and it's going to be really fun to see how these guys fit together. Uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see if there's any more roster movement, uh, you know, as we as we go over the next the next weeks and months. But you know, this also allows the other benefit of this is it really allows Indiana's coaching staff, with kind of recruiting getting back to normal over the summer, to really focus on the future guys and start building relationships for 2022 and 2023, which is important because if you're if all their focus was on just scrambling to build a roster for this year. They don't have as much of an opportunity to build those relationships that you need to get the kids down the road in the future recruiting classes when, you know, recruiting should normalize just a little bit. Although I think it's going to be, you know, pretty insane no matter what with the new transfer rule, but at least you won't have, you know, the added uh, complication of all these guys getting extra years and, and all of that. So. But a fun day. Look, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, will we have another emergency podcast before coffee has been consumed? I hope not, actually, because now any emergency podcast seem like they would be bad. So I'm kind of I'm ready to be done with the emergency podcast for a while, unless it's like a, a commitment from a five star in 2022 or 2023. But whenever news breaks, we'll be here with you again. Appreciate everybody being here. And we will talk to you guys Thursday night. Again, Ryan is slated to be there. Ryan has some scouting reports to do, coach. Xavier Johnson, Tamar Bates, Miller Cop. He's got his work cut out for him. So we may not be able to get to him all in one episode, but we'll get to Stolo. him.
solo yeah, show so, so, started so. and then we all can go have a beer or something and then check back in in 30 minutes and come on dude yeah that's not happening someone's got to be here to hit the go live button for ryan because otherwise i don't think it, it would happen all right Just everybody that and walk away he won't, yeah. won't even realize you're gone <laughs> he won't even realize uh <clears throat> all right another fun one we will talk to you guys soon uh as we always say keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go hoosiers look staying healthy isn't easy watching your diet hitting the gym avoiding stress but a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com.